0: Hi everyone, welcome to Anomalous Debates. Deb and I have joined forces once again to introduce what Anomalous Debates is all about. We plan to keep ourselves on a strict schedule um, and we do have a structure for our introduction today, but this is our debut. So thanks for showing up, thanks for joining us and also thank you for all the amazing interest on X to um, get the debates underway with recommendations, for debaters, subjects, topics, it really has been very inspiring to see how this is going to take off. So I'm going to hand the mic over to Deb and let her introduce herself, and then I'll introduce myself and we'll go into um, what these debates are all about. Go ahead, Deb. Hi, um, I'm Deb from Calling All Beings.
1: I also hosted Deb's Data Dojo um, and created the UFOConnector.com. Um, and I'm just someone who's out there trying to provide information um, about the UAP topic and paranormal.
0: That's who I am. Thanks, Deb. So I'm Courtney Courtney Marcasani. I also um, on a, am on a program I've just started on Spaced Out Radio, doing the news segment for the last probably six months. So I'm also involved with some programming and producing. Um, I am a researcher and um, working on my PhD in anomalous subjects. So this is a great showcase uh, and will be a great showcase to talk about research topics. And, um, you know, my heart in this community is to be service oriented and to provide, um, you know, excellent uh, research. For everyone to use in their own studies and also for experiencers. I'm a big, my heart in this is for experiencers. So that's where I am on, um, on that line. So, with no further ado, let's go ahead and move forward in our introductions. I wanted to ask you, Deb, because this is your baby and you mentioned it to me quite a while ago, and I heard it and we've created this together. So, I just wanted you to share with the audience why. Why debates?
1: Okay, so the first stage was when I first came into the UFO community, um, or at the time it was UFO Twitter. I obviously noticed pretty quickly that people were arguing and not getting along and sometimes lobbying personal attacks at each other. Um, And I found that really bizarre because in in my world, um, you listen to other people and that helps you either learn something or you try to solidify your own opinions because you've listened to somebody. So I tried to do something called peaceful disclosure with Akashi Chris and Jesse Peak. And um, at the time I was still thinking it would be really cool if we could do some coordinated debates. Um, and I had done debate in high school Um, And it was a very specific style of debate known as Lincoln-Douglas, and it required um, that you respect the other person and you listen to the other person and you essentially take turns. But you also have to bring a level of research and academic understanding of the topic. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if we could do that? So I've been sitting on this for a while and thinking about it. And I see so many people that I would love to see just have this formal debate style. So, yeah, that's why.
0: Well, we have um, somebody was asking me, a couple people have already asked me, like, what is this? What are you doing? And they're from other countries. And I said, well, speech and debate is something that we learn in the U.S. Now, I don't know about other, you know, school districts around the country, but we had speech and debate at our school. And in some school districts, it's called forensics. And it's a very competitive, almost uh, like sport, right, where you provide arguments, there's different styles of uh, forensics, there's different types. Um, But we just had to have a class, you know, in speech and debate in high school, it was a, it was an elective. And so I took speech and debate as well. And I remember our for and against was smoking, smoking in high school, like high school students who were 18 who could buy cigarettes. And I remember I was for having a designated smoking lounge (laughs) for the high schoolers that could actually smoke, but I actually had to take the against in that. And so I thought, well, this is really interesting. I'm gonna have to, you know, argue in my mind, both sides of the coin here. So I think it's interesting that, you know, you can be in a debate, but not necessarily believe in what you're debating. So, did you want to talk a little bit about that before we move on about the rules and the sides of of the debate? Um, I think before we go into the rules and
1: and um, take a look at what you've written up to explain that to people, um, I want to clarify that, um, you know, you you do get assigned essentially when you're practicing debate aside um, w- With this debate format, we are going to encourage people to pick the side that they're passionate about. We think this is a great way for people to showcase what they have researched. Um, But then there's always going to be someone who's on the other side contradicting that. So of course, I'm hoping, you know, people will research the contradiction as well, right? And so for today, when we are doing um, a practice debate for everyone watching, I don't especially, love the side that I'm on, but we're doing it to show how it can work. If we had a plan to do a real debate, I would have thoroughly researched, I would have gotten quotes, I would have looked up papers and evidence and so forth. But yes, yeah, so it's it's even if you're on the side, that you don't necessarily advocate for, you are supposed to come forward with research and information that's strong on that case. Are you ready for me to pull up your
0: slides. Yeah, let's pull up the slides and I'll go through stuff quickly so we can get to the debate format. We just want to encourage everybody if you're a subject matter expert or a thought leader in the field to join up and pick a topic and submit it to us, and we will um, put it into the programming. So I wrote up uh, basically like a a little mini press kit to send out to people who aren't familiar with Lincoln's Douglas style debates. And um, I will send that to individuals who are interested in in the topics and to present on their topics. So um, here we put in as a sample, are extraterrestrials real? It's you know, it's a real hot topic and it's it is a worthy debate and we're we're breaking out the different sides here so people know if you're for and you're affirmative you're going to take the positive side and if you're against extraterrestrials being real you're going to take the negative side or the constructive and so the affirmative pro side gets to start 5 minutes they give their presentation to the audience our audience who will basically be deciding on the competition Then the negative side gets to go against the affirmative. They'll have three minutes to provide questioning or cross-examination of the affirmative. And then they'll also have five-minute presentation to give their their argument. And then from there, it goes back to the affirmative, the pro side, and they'll have three-minute questioning to cross-examine the negative. And then they'll have five minutes of rebuttal. So that's gonna be a total of eight minutes in that segment. And then negative, once again, will be able to um, take the next slot, and they'll have a five-minute closing argument, and then affirmative will have two minutes for their closing argument. So the next page is just about, um, you know, the ET hypothesis and how that will begin. And so if anybody does want to take one of the first slots in the debates, just reach out to me. At CourtneyStrom at gmail.com, and I'll send you this document. And I'm putting in um, some more information. One of the people in the community suggested that um, we take primary source materials before we do the debates, so that we can check for accuracy. And um, that basically falls into the rules. So I'll go ahead and list the rules out. They're hard and fast rules for the community. The rule number one is to respect respect the process, no personal attacks. So if you have a personal attack against um, the other side of the debate, it's an automatic ejection from the debate and you lose. The second rule is to rely on facts and evidence if you have it. And the third is to use scholarly materials if you can. Deb, do you wanna add anything to the to the rules? I know that you mentioned yes. a couple there's, of things. Yes, there's a big one. It. If you are debating,
1: you're not allowed to use the chat (laughs) to get your information and evidence. Absolutely not. You need to come prepared for the debate. Um, And uh, the last thing I wanted to say is that we're going to host these debates, but we ourselves are not going to judge a winner. It's for the people viewing to decide who may have won. Um, I'm sure that's probably going to result in a lot of conversations and its own set of debates, of course, but you know, we're not here to judge. we're just here to present information. I think you and I are very, very open-minded when it comes to this information. Um, but we think there's so many questions that are not being asked and not being properly discussed because people resort to personal attacks instead of having these conversations. So I think this will be important.
0: It is important, and I think because you've created this through an inspiration and a, and a desire to want to see more neutrality in the field, less hostility, this could be a nice um, almost like seminar seminar style uh, aspect to that, which many of us who have um, you know been through um, different types of philosophy understand that seminar and debate and you know healthy um, healthy argument argumentative processes are good. Right. But um, one of the reasons why I like what you've recommended in the Lincoln-Douglas debates is because Lincoln-Douglas was a famous, famous debate that happened in Illinois in the U.S. And so there is a bit of history behind this, how powerful these debates can be in terms of um, changing public perception or educating people on the law and processes. It was between um, Abraham Lincoln and he was running for a seat in Illinois against um, Stephen Douglas. Stephen Douglas was an incumbent, he was popular, he was a Democrat. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was a Republican coming in trying to take the ticket. And what happened was, uh, it was called the Great Debate. And they traveled around to do these debates through Illinois and it was essentially about slavery and rights and abolition. And in the union at that time, certain states had the right to um, continue slavery, and that was a law. And so Lincoln, in his part of the debate, was to challenge that and say that, um, and this is the great line, right? A divided house cannot stand. And so he wanted to unite and catalyze this movement uh, against slavery so that the country would come together and have one law, uh, which was to um, eliminate slavery. So Lincoln actually, you know lost, his seat and lost as a challenger, but we know that he won. He won the big one to become president. So it has a very powerful grounding and a and history. And so in presenting this, we're bringing back. Um, and bringing something to the community that hasn't been available yet, that might be a very powerful tool for all of us to come together under under one umbrella and unite. And so with that, um, Deb, do you want to talk about our first uh, mock debate that we're going to do today in the subject matter? Yeah.
1: So I'm going to be really over the top explaining what we're doing as we process (laughs) this mock debate. So just be prepared. It's not going to be a typical debate style. Typically during a debate that we would have with guests, I would not speak very much. (laughs) So um, the first step is that Courtney is going to be presenting her affirmative side. And I um, wanted to let you guys know, that Courtney coins the phrase of what this debate is going to be about. Wait for it. Hold on. There it is. I got it. It's called WikiGate. Yes, I did. Wikigate. I imagine myself
0: like I fashioned myself like the Frank Luntz, right, of the UFO community, right, the the spin doctor putting words together to create, you know, an essence okay. of something. And we certainly have seen WikiGate just develop. Okay. Right, so she's gonna
1: be first. I'm going to get a timer ready. I will pop it up on the screen periodically. Um, Normally, again, I wouldn't be one of the debaters, so this would probably go a little smoother, but I'm gonna try to multitask and do both. And she's gonna go ahead and begin when she's ready. Are you ready?
0: Well, I just wanted to preface this by saying when we were talking about the actual subject, because we've been putting subjects into our Excel spreadsheet for the community, we um, we came up with the subject: is it wrong to alter or edit UFO or UA pages in Wikipedia? So that was our that was our subject matter. I just wanted to claim that and state that before I go into my affirmative. Okay. Okay. Right. So
1: so Courtney is going to go first, and she's going to talk about. What, well, I, I'm. I'll let you explain. You go you'll ahead, Courtney. I'm going to click you'll, start on I'll the timer.
0: You'll see it in the argumentative. You'll see it in the argumentative part of it. Ready? Mm-hmm. It is started. Okay. Once upon a time, there were standards at Wikipedia. Did you know that it was started as a side project for the peer review process? I didn't, but we do know that peer review is one of the highest standards in academia. We also know in academia that Wikipedia is not recommended as a primary source or primary source material for academic papers. Why not? Because citation in Wikipedia can be edited or changed at any time by any editor. So, but we don't really know how Wikipedia is run or who owns it. It's actually used more like a public library. What we also don't know is who has the right or is given status as an editor of a, if a wiki war breaks out. If a wiki war breaks out, editors are engaged in a dispute process. Editors are first asked to resolve their dispute by talking with one another first in a relatively amicable process. If that fails, they go through a dissolute or a dispute resolution process. Meanwhile, as editors are adding content, changing content, censoring content, removing content, this causes confusions for the readers. It also creates conflict and hostility between editors. So it also makes consensus on Wikipedia harder to reach. So if one editor, goes to the other, t- other editor and says, my edits were right, so this wasn't edit warring, Wikipedia will weigh in and say, that's not a valid defense. So, is it wrong to alter or edit UFO and UAP pages in Wikipedia? Well, let's imagine. Wikipedia, up until now, has been run by standards, and here are their standards. Civility, good faith, and etiquette. Primary editors do not own or take possession of pages. They're not theirs. But primary editors are usually experts on an issue. When this process goes well, that means results are high quality and accurate. They aim for accuracy. Could you imagine through the Gorilla Skeptics organization, Susan Gerbick and News Nation's Ross Coltheart, Having to go to court over a dispute and have a dispute resolution process to show Ross Colhart's credibility, we know he's credible, it's been established. We also know that Guerrilla Skeptics removed his journalistic awards from his professional Wikipedia page. So could you imagine having to go to a dispute resolution process to prove his journalistic standards, his awards, his efforts, We know it's correct. It's already been established. It's public. He was awarded. So this gets into speech. It gets into censorship and it gets into freedom of speech on Wikipedia and what is allowed and what is legal. We know that as Americans, we have protected speech. We have freedom of speech. It's a first amendment right. And so what are we allowed to say? In the First Amendment, we know protected speech is freedom of speech, assembly, press, and the right to petition the government. So in the Wikipedia Wars, in Wikigate, what we're seeing is a direct censorship on not only UAP and UFO professionals, their research, or even academic research, we are seeing a whole field being slandered. So, we must ask ourselves, as writers and editors, there are already standards and practice. What is protected on Wikipedia? And is it ethical to go and take credibility from current professionals and erase a whole history? Her history That looks like censorship to me. So, is that the conclusion for you? You had 30 What's seconds remaining. That's the okay. conclusion for the first argument. And okay. um, it goes into what we've seen and questioning whether this Wikipedia editing is actually censorship on a whole field of professionals. Okay. I mean, so yes, so it'll be my turn <laughs> next
1: with a question. Um, and I only decided to do one because this is just a mock debate. My question is a lot of the scandal of this topic is related to um claims that a specific group have participated in this editing process. Do you have any evidence to support that it is all these members are from this one group or could it potentially be just a five-year-old in their parents basement?
0: (laughs) We know that it was a coordinated collaborative effort because in Matt Ford's, uh, expose about the Wikigate scandal. He showed clear collaborative efforts between certain group members, and he named, I think, three to four groups. One primary was guerrilla skeptics, who I mentioned in my affirmative opening, that they had communication on Wikipedia between themselves about the editing of certain pages. So we know that they worked together to do this censorship against the UAP, uh, UFO community. Okay. Shall I put the timer on for you? or Are you going to do that yourself? I don't want you to have to do both. So I can time you and I can give you a prompt. So if we are um, on time and in the actual debate, what you're going to see is Deb do a cross-examination for a certain amount of time, and then she'll present her rebuttal. As I did the affirmative opening, I had three minutes, but usually it's going to be five minutes. She would take the five minute slot at this time and um, present her uh, against argument. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and start. Do you want me to do the timer? That's what I was asking you. I got it. (laughs) It's okay. okay. I don't want you to have to have that pressure if you don't. It's okay. I'm
1: definitely not going to make a full five minutes for this argument. Um, It is a mock debate, everybody. Again, not necessarily a side that I support. So here we go. I believe this whole argument has been blown significantly out of proportion. Some grammar was corrected. Not a big deal. It's freedom of speech for the people who participate in Wikipedia and for those who edit Wikipedia. Serious researchers should have always known not to use Wikipedia. It's ridiculous to rely on a free public service that can be edited by anyone, anywhere, at any time. The no laws have been broken in the editing of these Wikipedia pages. And it is, as I said significantly blown out of proportion. Okay, so actually that was all I did. Um, Again, if it were a real debate, I would have had um, quite a bit more time um, as you can see, but now Courtney is going to ask her questions.
0: Okay, my first question to you Deb is just challenging um, that no harm was done. Yes, no laws were broken but Wikipedia prides itself on having standards in practice. And even though it's not a a corporation, it's a nonprofit run out of San Francisco, the intention of Wikipedia as it was established was for an independent review process. And those standards and policies are obviously in practice and we can see it in, in the Wikipedia community. It's a valuable resource It's been established since the early 2000s, and it's a long-running, public, available, free resource. So it's not just for UAP uh, community members to use it as a resource or a database for information to pull from and draw on and build on. As we know, most databases are provided and available. In academia, academia don't have that. It's not free and available. These so, are high-level academic uh, databases with information that cost, whereas Wikipedia is free, and it already has a standard of excellence with it. So what is your question? My question is, how can you say that nobody was hurt in this process Okay, and no, okay. no laws were broken? Because people were hurt in the process. Their data and their information was censored from their professional pages.
1: Okay. So in my response will be that Wikipedia, for legal reasons, is probably presenting that side. However, in reality, if you go through Wikipedia, there's no reason to see it as a strong source of researched, well-thought-out arguments. There are ridiculous pages on Wikipedia that claim all kinds of things that are um, far out there, unresearched, and without any plausible sense of evidence.
0: Well, my rebuttal would be that Wikipedia was established as an independent assessment and review process for academic research. And so in that way, it does have professional standards associated with it. I agree that the editors and commenters can say what they want, but the fact that Wikipedia has a dissolution, a dispute process would tell us that there have been other issues around, uh, around the different types of data and information that's entered into wikipedia and so there are standards involved
1: okay um are you going to continue with your rebuttal or is that all you wanted to add for the well, rebuttal I have
0: part? A closing argument if we are going to do closing arguments if that was rebuttal and that was our shortened truncated version of you know the mock <laughs> question <laughs> go ahead so we know that In schools, students, including high-level graduate students are not allowed to use Wikipedia as a citation source because editors can change at any time and content can change at any time. But if we look at it as a public library and as an access and a resource for all for free, it becomes a much more valuable tool and resource, not only for our community and the UAP UFO community, it's for all communities. Public libraries have been established for a long time. And it allows access for students and learners and including teachers all over to be able to access materials that they need that they might not be able to receive otherwise or have access to otherwise. So my point is when it comes to censorship and censoring people's personal pages and and academic research in the UFO community, I would liken it to censorship of other types of important materials like books, documents, catalogs, magazines that other people would have access at at private, or excuse me, public libraries that they would not have access to otherwise. And could you imagine if some of our childhood books that we've become familiar with, that we could go to the library and get and read and sit there all day long and enjoy it, that was taken away for censorship. Let me give you an example, and then I'll close my argument. Shel Silverstein, beloved child author, who wrote Where the Sidewalk Ends and many others, The Giving Tree, a personal favorite. He had 40 years that he wrote for Playboy as a columnist. Now let's imagine that because someone in a public library or some authority figure or some skeptic said, well, he shouldn't be allowed to have child's books or write and be a children's author. Let's imagine that those books all just were erased because they didn't like his profession before he came, became a children's author. What would that be like? To have one of our favorite authors censored and not be available, because that's kind of what we're looking at in the UAP community with this with this censorship. And that's my close.
1: Okay, so I get to do a close now, it's the negative. I'm gonna reset the clock again. This will be an important part in the future. We wanna make sure everyone has the same amount of time. Um, so for my closing, I will say who gets to decide good editors? You speak about Shel Silverstein and um, have given examples of things that have been edited, but who gets to decide if someone is wrong or incorrect or right in being an editor for Wikipedia? Who gets to decide what information is valid and important, whether or not a novel like Shal Silverstein's was worthy we're putting a, a sense of control that's a slippery slope and that's dangerous when it comes to these editing practices. Who gets to decide what facts are true? If not for someone from the outside perspective of the UFO community, who may be a little bit more rational than enthusiasts in the community. community um, are there any guardrails? Where do we draw the line? The people who have done these editing services have done a public service. There's no part of your life that is without control and construction. Everything that you learn and see is created and passed down by somebody. Okay, now it's your turn to do the closing, Courtney, and you get two minutes. That was
0: my closing. (laughs) That was my closing. Shall okay, just close, can, close my, again. Close again. Okay, close again. Um, we know that Wikipedia has standards and practice in place. It's not just a uh, a board where people can enter any kind of information on any topic willy-nilly. Professionals in the community who are primary editors are experts typically in their field. They're using their expertise in subject matters to make Reliable and accurate accounts on Wikipedia pages. So, in in answer to your question of who gets to decide, there's already a process within Wikipedia of who gets to decide, and it's typically supposed to be done between editors. What happens if an edit war breaks out? There's a dispute resolution process in Wikipedia in order to provide argumentation against what gets put in and what gets put out. The problem is when it becomes who's controlling the narrative, especially in the UFO and UAP community, that's what we've been grappling with for over 50, 60 years. Wikipedia provides a new level of education for researchers, authors, enthusiasts, as you say, to be able to get and find accurate information and data from Wikipedia. And the fact that the Wikigate wars have broken out, it puts into question A clear coordinated effort to censor certain professionals in the community, and should that be allowed? No, it shouldn't be allowed. And there could be answers for this. Wikipedia could establish an actual community of editors that were neutral to provide a a different perspective in a less hostile environment. But what's become of this now currently confuses readers It provides conflicting information, and it has created more hostility in a community fraught with hostility. Wikipedia could be a leveler. It could be a ground level. And so who controls it? We could establish a group of independent reviewers, as Wikipedia was established from the beginning, from the ground up, to be an independent assessment and review process. And so that could be a recommendation to the Wikipedia nonprofit in San Francisco that runs their organization.
1: Okay. Thank you so much for your um, completion of this mock debate with me today. I did miss the timer at the end. I definitely think that was more than two minutes. So we'll have to be more careful in the future. We don't want the affirmative to to get the um, upper hand too much. The dog Mm -hmm. did contribute, as uh, Jasmine pointed out. (laughs) I guess the dog also didn't like the negative constructive argument. Thank you, doggy. Thank you, <laughs> <laughs> giving me that competitive edge. I, I was almost tempted, as a joke, to change my name to uh, Lucky Debbie for this. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then who would I be? What's the other one? The counterpoint.
0: I don't oh, you know could, who I would
1: be, but I'm happy to say You could to have been it. a reporter. You could have been, a, you know, a former member of the government. You could have been a religious figure. They're going after all of them.
0: Yeah, anyway. it's, it's UFO, UAP, paranormal, telepathy, um, spirituality. Yeah. And they're, um, you know, they have a whole page as being not only skeptics, but being, you um, supposedly, you know, positive reviewers to combat conspiracy theories. Well, it goes beyond conspiracy theory when you see the the efforts that are being put in, but I'll leave it at that. We want to end on a positive note. Right. So um, the conclusion of today, we want to talk
1: about some of the topics that we have come up with so far. I'm going to let Courtney read some of them to you while I go check and see who knocked on my door just now. And then we're going to also talk about some people that we have already lined up and put out an invitation, which um, I'll be happy to do for a good friend of mine.
0: So I'll be right back while Courtney tells you about some of the topics. Thank you, Deb. So I'm just going to switch over here. You're going to see me reading because I'm going to the Excel spreadsheet. I keep saying to everybody, Excel spreadsheet updated. But here are some of the topics that Deb and I were brainstorming about and dumping our head kind of in a ma- mind, a little bit of a mind mapping process. Um, the Wilson documents. Is there as evidence for UFO, UIP? Uh, Russian parapsychology. Foo fighters. Is there evidence for NHI? Do UFOs crash? NHI, are they ET? Are UFOs nuts and bolts? Are UFO related to other paranormal phenomena? Is NASA keeping secrets? Is the media being kept quiet on UFOs? Can we trust government whistleblowers? Are UFOs drones secret technology? Can UFOs be photographed? Experiencers, should their therapists believe them? Is there a galactic federation? Are NHI showing their true faces? Are NHI using EM to manipulate us? Are NHI harmful? And it goes on and we already have, um, for a lineup of subjects and hot topics, um, almost a hundred subjects that we have dumped our own head on and doing this mind mapping process. So we also have a couple of people who we have approached and who have been suggested. Um, for the Wilson documents, Nicole Sakich is willing to take the affirmative side um, we have approached one other person who's an expert in the field. I'm waiting to hear back from him whether he's gonna take the whether he's gonna take the negative side. Yep. Um, go ahead, Deb. You can talk about your your lineup. Okay, I'm very
1: excited because Graham Rendell, who has written the book, the book about foo fighters, has offered to debate someone. However, I will caveat that Graham is my friend. So if you're going to debate him. You need to come with an academic approach. Next. Well, and I
0: think that that was a great recommendation from my friend out of New York. Uh, we were we met at the Inquire Anomalous Conference, James. He mm-hmm. sent me a note asking about uh, primary source material and data sets to be sent in. So I would like to um, take that into consideration that if we are going to have the debates, We could have people submit all their scholarly scholarly material citations. And I'm willing to go and do that due diligence and basically give like a credibility score. If you want to do that, we don't have to. But it could be an additional element to the debates.
1: In other words, we are not going to just invite people to come on here and bicker and troll. That is not what this is about. We're trying to raise the level. All those topics exist because no one has the answer yet. And we have so many questions that we need to get to and try to understand. Um, and then there's also this
0: person named Courtney who said that they would do a debate. I'll let you explain that one. <laughs> so um, Russian parapsychology has long been disputed in the, uh, in the academic community in the United States. And that's one because of the Cold War um, before perestroika and before the wall came down and everything. There were... There were laboratories in Russia that were used for studying psychic phenomena, telepathy, uh, psychokinesis. And the Americans were in competition with those programs. But there's a huge debate, historical debate, about whether the Russian programs were actually propaganda or if actually there was real science. So I do have a friend. He's a researcher, he's an incredible incredible person within Russia who does a lot of this research and his name is George Fedorovsky and uh, I approached him about you know coming down into the debates and he said he would so we would have um, the debate on our Russian or USSR former Soviet programs real and um, he's willing to debate that and so that would be an excellent subject that we could start off with as well so we have some good lineups Right, absolutely. so if you have a topic that you're
1: really passionate about, that you really have evidence for and supporting arguments for um that you would like someone to debate with you on um you know, keep in mind that a debate is a great way to highlight areas that we need to improve on too, okay, so don't be afraid to come and do this like this is um, a great way to show your evidence, a great way to, Figure out what we need to continue to work on. There's so many benefits to doing this. So please let us know. Um, we're really excited to try to raise the bar with this topic. And again, we have so many questions still, like so many things we need to figure out.
0: I think it allows for a healthy, uh, healthy argumentative debate in a low risk atmosphere. And so a lot of people have fears. I think the number one fear uh, is public speaking. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I just want to tell everybody who's considering this, who thinks to themselves, well, I have a lot of information about this topic and I really feel like I know it. The cool thing about what we're doing is it is a low risk environment. So there's not much to lose by presenting your materials and arguing for them and arguing for your hard work. And I also want to preface that by saying that Um, Deb and I are going to be very strict with the structure for one so you'll have a structure to work within you get five minutes and then the rebuttal and, you know, uh, pretty much you can do that right you can do that when you're prepared. The second thing is that we're not going to allow it's a hard and fast rule that no personal attacks are going to be allowed in the debate so if you attack somebody personally they you get ejected and you lose. The other thing that we hope to do is raise the bar and allow the audience to decide who wins. Deb and I would like to fade away into the background and just allow this process to take you know, discourse to a new level and let people decide for themselves.
1: Right, so, I wanna just show people how easy it is to remove someone. Hold on. <laughs> That's it. That's all it's gonna take. They get removed, they don't come back. If they start saying something mean, start uh, attacking someone personally, we're here to discuss the arguments, uh, the constructive debated arguments, not to have arguments.
0: Well, and the other thing is, you know, some people might be, you know, I don't know, we'll have to establish the standard how we feel about it. But, um, you know, if you're also a little camera shy, I want to show you what what Deb showed me yesterday when we did our dry run. You can take your camera off just by stop camera. And so you don't have to appear. It's nice to appear because then people can see you present your um, your argument and see you, you know, your passion. I also would suggest people to who want to do a debate, make, make it passionate. Um, because if you feel passion around, it'll be much easier to go through the process. So it's a warm welcome. It's an invitation to everyone. You just saw Deb and I go through the process. It's not that hard, but you do have to prepare for it. But most of you already have, have your preparations. You've been preparing for this for a long time with your studies. So come join us in the debates, in anomalous debates.
1: And I do have exciting news that um, DJ and Calling All Beings has agreed to host the audio for our shows. We will sometimes just meet and have conversations about what's going on. Courtney and I have done this before. Um, That is a form of debate sometimes also you know, and that will also be occasionally on our channel. It will not always be the formal Lincoln Douglas debates. So the audio will be um, put on various podcasts by DJ from Calling All Beings.
0: Hey, DJ, we haven't met, but I want to say thank you for that. Thank you for your graciousness and for your offer to put us on, because for people who are on this channel, they really get to have a much wider distribution to hear it through other avenues, so thank you for that. And um, I guess with that, we'll, we'll wait for recommendations and see if we can do the lineup. Deb, any idea about frequency and how often you wanna do the debates for people in the community or the audience to know to be looking out for it? Um, I would be happy to do
1: one once a week if we can get you know people lined up. I think we already have some potential debates in the works. So it's, you know the, the thing though I also wanna just say There's a lot of people who say out there, oh, I'll debate anyone. I'll talk to anyone. And they say their arguments are sound. This gives them the opportunity to prove it. (laughs) So I'm excited about that. And (laughs) I want to say,
0: I want to say another thing about that um, to folks who are nervous, who are nervous about coming in and maybe doing uh, a debate.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, If you're not nervous, you don't care. So that's another thing. When you feel the nerves, that means you care. You know you're passionate passionate about the subject. And um, I want to say that we'll create a safe space for you. Deb and I will will make it easy. And um, once we get a formula and a pattern and people see how easy it is and how fun it is, I think we'll have a lot of people who who join in on this. And right. we'll get some marquee we'll get some marquee people. right. So please, if you have
1: something you want to come and talk about, and you feel um like you're ready to bring it to an academic level let us know i have nothing further to say i look forward to these conversations that i'm going to be having with courtney and seeing what people can present in the future
0: yes i uh i want to do the round table discussions and i think that will be another nice um icebreaker for people who wanna come in and do a debate, but are unsure. So we'll provide round table discussions for people to come in and even uh, lower risk atmosphere. So if you're interested in the round tables and you'd like to join a couple other people, including Deb and I, to have uh, a healthy, healthy low risk conversations, uh, the art of conversation, let's bring that back too. So uh, we'll end for today and thanks Deb for all your technical prowess and teaching me how to how to do these technical things. I, uh, I love it. I love learning. So we'll be, uh, we'll be leveling up over the next couple months. Please put in your request to debate on anomalous debates. And thank you for your time. Thank you, everybody. Bye.